0: Okay, we're in Psalms chapter 91. Psalms 91, sermon that I've titled just a series here on our relationship with God. And so, this is part two of having that personal relationship with God as a Christian. As a Christian, that personal relationship with God. Now, one of the things that Brother Ernie would say to me quite often, last Sunday morning, I remember him saying that again, was uh, over there where he had sat, he said, uh, I prayed for you this morning, and he would, he would say that, and and then it was great, Uh, you know, we'd see him uh, during the week, I saw him just this this week, I mean, just up there, I think he was up there on Thursday, and then Friday morning, uh, he's, they take him to hospital, and on the way, he passes away in the ambulance, and Makes it uh, they get him there, but he's even before he got to the hospital, he went to the be with the Lord. And so we we think of that. But uh, when a person has a personal relationship with the Lord, it sure does give you a lot of peace about their going away, as too, doesn't it? <coughs> okay, we're in verse one here, so I'm going to read verse one, then we'll have a word of prayer. He that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High. Shall abide. Now, that word abide is very important. we will say more about that in a little bit. Shall abide under the shadow, the protection. He's there. He's always there under the shadow of the Almighty. So, again, with that thought in mind, he that uh, dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. Let's have a word of prayer. Father, I pray, Lord, that this message again would help to edify your people, but especially to glorify your name. Just to think that you're there. You are there, and you hear, and you care. Thank you for that, Lord, in Jesus Christ's precious and holy name, I pray it, amen. Uh, Sometimes, as we're looking at this Thanksgiving season, we are not quite as thankful uh, as we ought to be, or we don't really understand it as we ought to understand it. For example, we pointed out last week, 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 18 says, in Everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. So, you know, one thing, if you're saved, that is God's absolute will for your life, to which you'll be called into an account, is that you are thankful in all things. Uh, The psalmist gives us a good illustration of that in Psalms 119. We hit that briefly in verses 71 through 77, where he said, to the Lord, he's thanking the Lord, in faithfulness, thou hast afflicted me. He realized that some afflictions and some other things that had come into his life was that, so that the Lord may work with him in his heart and life. And, of course, that was a great help to him. So he was thankful for that. If I were to put a title to this chapter as just a one title, really, I mean, there's more to it, but I would call it the profoundness of God. By that, I mean the deepness of His person. The deepness of His person is unsearchable. I think one of the things in heaven that we'll be doing is that we'll be spending all eternity getting to know the person of our God. And in all of eternity, I do, don't know that we'll even get the entire depths of that. He is almighty God, omniscient God, omnipotent God. And you might say it this way, for the believer, he is the right person. And he is the one we always when we see Him, it's always, always, always the right time. So, particularly my eyes, my mind must be in the Word of God because that's where He speaks to me, giving me the day I receive Christ as Savior, His Holy Spirit, to dwell in me so that as I read His Word, he can help me understand His Word, and He can speak to me. And so, the first thing this morning that should have been in our lives, and should be in our lives every morning, first thing, is that time with the Lord. And as you get in the Word, you say, well, you don't know what time I have to go to work. Well, it's all right. Get up. 30 minutes earlier to go to work so that you can spend that first few minutes in the Word of God. And then remember those things. Think on those things. I, I used to have uh, sometimes people come up to me, and I, I, it happened more in my first church than it does here, but they'd come up and say, you know, you you've preached on having a family altar, reading the Bible, praying with your uh, family and so forth. I, I'm not really sure how to do that. And I'd tell them, Okay, you first thing in the morning, read your Bible. And and basically this was me, and I'd say, read your Bible, then think on that, think on how you would teach that to a fellow employee. And then think on how you'd bring that down to children's level. Then that night when you have your family altar, then teach it, that same passage that God gave you and you thought on through the day, and God prepared you for that. Well, that's, that's really the right thing to do. That's really the right thing to do for every believer every day is to start the day in the Word of God, in prayer, drawing closer to Him each and every day. The peace of heart and mind begin by, I guess you might say making yourselves at home by dwelling in the secret place of the most high you know that's the idea that i stopped there when we was reading verse 1 about abide abide that word abide has the idea of making yourself at home as a believer Make yourself at home in the Word of God in prayer and in your walk with God each and every day. Don't let it become a thing that it's a rarity. That it's only in the day of trouble that you do that. I mean, you guys come home from work. Does your wife say, What are you doing home? Well, I got off about two hours ago. Yeah, but what are you doing home already? Okay, and, and, and so uh, they don't say that. Okay. They're ready for you to get home. If you can get home earlier, that's great. You see, the Lord isn't saying, why are you talking to me today? Why are you praying to me? It's, My, my goodness, why are you doing it? No, the Lord is almost begging for you to come into his presence, to be alone with him. And so, we begin each day by making ourselves at home in that secret place of the Most High where we get alone with God. Uh, Have you ever been around friends? And I mean, they're close friends, you love them. It it, it could even be your your spouse for that matter. But things come in life. Sometimes you just, as much as you love the people, there's just that little bit of time you need to be alone. You need to think things through. You want to think on things. You want that alone time. And I believe that because a lot of people have that, that are believers, it's because God wants to say, hey, I'd like that alone time. I want you to have that alone time with me. And and you can get those things that are deep down in your heart, that are stirring your heart. Then you can get those things and be alone. Even though it's your spouse. You see, the secret place of the Most High involves that place where you get alone with God. That's why I encourage getting up earlier than you have to get up as a believer. Whether it's in a room or a place, you get alone with God. You remember Jesus walking, I mean, for three and a half years, the disciples went with him everywhere he'd go. And yet the Bible lets us know that he got up a great while before morning and went to that secret place. That place. of the Most High. And He was there. He was there communing with His Father. And that is a daily thing that's important to us, It should be important to us. It ought to be of utmost importance that you have that secret place with God. And we've got seniors in here, and they're just like me, in that your children are gone from your home now. And it might be just a husband and wife. The two of you are together. And, and, and you're there every day. You're retired. I'm not retired, so you're not like me. But you're retired, and now you're, you're there every day. And that's good to be together, but make sure that there are those alone times, whether it's going into another room or whatever, that is your alone time with God. Now, you just think of uh, Brother Ernie this week, and this just comes to my mind, to be honest with you. Going to be with the Lord. And here's Linda, uh, loves the Lord as well. But now that alone time is very special to her. But you see, that alone time prepared her for the homegoing of her husband. And I I forget who told me that, but someone said that they talked to her, and the first words was, I know he's with the Lord. Okay, so when you have something like that, Boy, I tell you what, those alone times that you've had over the days, the weeks, the years of your life where the secret place of the Most High has been a dwelling place, a place where you're at home in, will sustain you in the trials of life. One of the things that we read about prophecy is that you and I, if we're saved, are not going to go through the tribulation, but we do find out. There's going to be some hard things before the rapture actually takes place. It's not part of the tribulation. But it's those things that come in life that all of a sudden seem like a trial. We could look at the things of this this country right now where we have all the evil that they want to be a part. They want to be a part of your school. They want it to be a part of the training of the children. They want to indoctrinate the children in their evil, whether it's sexual, whether it's anti God, whatever it is, they want to get them grounded in it. They want it in their minds, they want it in their very being. And believe me, whether you believe this or not, there are plenty in high places who would love to close Bible preaching, Bible teaching, churches that speak the truth as it is to men as they are. It's out there, folks. They would want to stop a gospel witness anywhere they can. There are laws they're trying to pass. There are things, I mean, why does our Congress, U.S. Congress this past week, passes this gay, it's not gay, my goodness gracious, so many of those people are committing suicide. How's that gay? So, the, the, they're, they're wanting all these benefits going to them. They said, well, before the Congress changes in January, we better go ahead and get these laws passed. Is that what you want for your children? Now, I'm not making this a political speech. What I'm trying to say to you is that when this starts to hit your own home, you better have a place where, in the secret place of the Most High. Now, it's rarely that I'll hit homosexuality or any other sin and say that those people cannot be saved because they can be saved. I know that. So, I'll never say they cannot be saved. I'll tell you that as bad as it is, as evil as it is, they can be saved. Don't give up on them. If it's in your home, don't give up on it. Keep praying for them. Keep working at it. I, we had, oh, it's been a good 15, 20 years ago, a bunch of kids that bunch several, not a bunch but we had several families that left and each family told them the same thing you're hitting this contemporary movement and it makes our kids feel makes us feel bad because our kids left because of that so we're going too." that's going to change your kids that's going to change your kids isn't it yeah it's going to change your kids completely against God to say well what they said they believed but again it wasn't really real with them Now, you don't abandon faith, you don't abandon standards for your children. You maintain it because if we remove those things, what can the righteous do? In other words, I'm saying this Child has been through all kinds of trouble, he's been through all kinds of tribulation. And finally sees the evil of it, sees the terribleness of it, and says, I've got to get it right. I've got to change it around. But mom and dad has already changed and said, oh, it's all right. And you've just destroyed a foundation for that child to get back right with God is what's happened. Stand for what's right. Stay in that secret place of the Most High. Know what God would have you to do. It's of utmost importance. You see, your secret place is that time alone with him. It's not a ten minute thing. It's not an hour thing. Because it's not based on time. It's based on the walk with God. On a daily basis. It can be throughout the day. And especially throughout the day, if you've been in his word, you ought to be thinking on those things as you have opportunity throughout the day. He is a fortress. You know, Satan and men without Christ is an army. And in his army at times they will work to use people in the church even that are saved people in a church. Get them deceived. And will use that To attack one of God's children. They attack God's children. How does that come about? How does that happen? Because you get away from that walk with God. Now, folks, I'm talking about a personal relationship with God. You're saved. Great. But what, how intimate. How intimate is your personal relationship with God? Is there a secret place where you go and meet the Most High on a daily basis? That you're alone with Him, alone with Jesus, alone with God? You're spending that time seeking his face in so many ways and things. I believe, as I told you earlier, Jesus went aside to pray. And I believe that one of the reasons for that was for him to teach his disciples to get alone with God. He wanted them to be alone with the Lord. And just think of the Most High Been under the shadow, the protection, the presence of the Most High. When the going is rough, when you're going through the valley of the shadow of death, by the way, that valley of the shadow of death, we think of it only as when a person is dying, but the valley of the shadow of death in Israel, when they mentioned that, they thought of that valley going up from Jericho to Jerusalem, filled with all kinds of, robbers and thieves and evil people. And so when you walked through that valley, you were in danger. When you were making that trip, you wanted to have all the weaponry that you could have at your hand available for you because you're liable to get attacked. And symbolically, that valley is for when the hordes of hell begin to attack. He has equipped you with the sword of his word. It's a buckler. It's a shield. It's a protection. That you might not fall into that defeat. That you might not fall into that error. And become a person that somebody says, if he's saved, if she's saved, I'm saved. Oh, be so right with God, my friend. Develop that relationship with the Lord. Yes, that'll make you different from the world. But this world is temporary. Heaven is eternal. Rewards are eternal. You've got to decide where you're going to stand with God, you see. And that comes back to your personal relationship with Him. And so you might say our first point is our personal relationship with God then is to stay in the right place which is drawing closer and closer to him each day and walk with God each and every day in his word secondly we have not only the right place and the right person but he's the only refuge the only refuge for you. You see, you have the right place, you have the right person, but he's the one you go to refuge. Psalm 62.8 says something that goes against a lot of preaching that goes on today. In Psalm 62.8, it says, pour out your heart to the Lord. He is a refuge for us. Too many preachers are standing in pulpits trying to preach psychology to you. And psychology will never, 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 never replace the Word of God. And when somebody tells me, well, they need to go to professional counseling. Amen. Jesus Christ is the great counselor. That's the one to go to. Nothing else. Unless you want something less than the best. And if that's what you want for your life, wake up. If you want less than the best, then wake up, my friend. He is your help. He is your counselor. He'll take you through it. Not only do we go to him for refuge, but he is also, we're told there in verse 2, he is a fortress. One of the interesting things about this particular psalm that we're looking at right now, It's called a Messianic Psalm because it looks at things that happen in this chapter as related to Jesus Christ. Matter of fact, Satan even said to Jesus at the temptation, on the Mount of Temptation when he had been in the wilderness, and he said uh, there to to him, he said, get get up here on the temple, jump off because his angels won't allow you to dash your foot against a stone, which is in this chapter. And he told them, Thou shalt not tempt the Lord thy God. You see, Satan even tried back then and said, Well, if God is really there with you, then he won't allow this to happen. Jesus put Satan back in his place in a hurry. And so you learn that when Satan attacks, he might even use the word of God to discourage you. He may do those things, but my friend, Satan and his attacks, you need to realize that your fortress is the Word of God, because he is omniscient, he's omnipotent, and he works through (coughs) his Word. He is our personal Savior that we can trust at all times. Now, I'll repeat this again later, probably tonight or next week. You know, that fortress was something they built. It was, it was the walls of the city. Great walls, great stone walls. You know They didn't have uh, cannons. They didn't have uh, all this other artillery that we have today. And so the big threat was to try to <coughs> break down the Walls, break down the towers. They wanted to do that. But the fortress, they would go into that fortress, all those walls, and that was their protection. When the world attacks you with all of its mighty weaponry, its weaponry of scorn, its weaponry of hate, its weaponry of temptation, It's weaponry of your family, of attacking your family. It's weaponry that's out there. Always, always go to the fortress. The Word of God. Our protection. Our protector. Our everlasting God. You see, keep Romans 8.28 in mind. Where he says, we know. We know. Not we think. Well, this could be. No. We know. And when it says we know, it means without a shadow of a doubt, nothing else. We know that all things work together for good to those who love God, those who are the called according to His purpose. And my friend, you say, well, is that talking about preachers? Yeah. It's talking about every believer too. If you're saved, you're Called to preach the word, you said, What you mean? I'm supposed to be a pastor. No, I'm saying that you're supposed to witness the gospel. The idea of the word preach has that in it, too. You're supposed to witness the gospel, he wants to use you. But realize when Satan's making his greatest attacks, don't stop serving God. Don't run away from the shadow because you're under attack. Don't run away from the fortress because you're under attack. Rather, draw nigh unto God, and he will draw nigh unto you. We must be honest with ourselves. Is he the refuge? Is he the fortress to whom we flee in the greatest trials of our life? We trust him during those hard times of life. Or, let me put it this way since we've had this with Ernie this week, just this Friday, just two days ago. In the suddenlies of life, when the suddenlies of life hit you, and they hit you like a ton of bricks. That alone time that you've had each and every day in that daily walk with God, in that daily guidance of the Lord, that daily walking with God will sustain you through it all. Oh, will those things hurt? Yes, they hurt. But they don't destroy. And when they begin to destroy your faith, when they begin to destroy your stand for the Lord, then you'll know that your secret time in that secret place, that dwelling of the Lord has evidently gone down for you. And it's time to renew that. Jesus is the right person. He's the right place to go to in life. I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge. In my fortress, my God, in him will I trust. And it's the suddenlies, it's the trials, it's the troubles, it's the temptations, it's all these things that the devil and his armies throw at you. Prove whether or not we really trust God. Christians. We want America to have revival, but America can't have revival, and by that we mean evangelism, where they're saved and they're turned, but that can't happen to America until it happens to the church, until it happens to Christians, that there is a real, a real secret time, that walk with God, that personal relationship that is daily, that the most important thing, even more important than your spouse, is your walk with Him. That does not exclude your spouse. That does not exclude your children. But rather that personal time that is so important helps to strengthen those relationships. Because you bring your spouse, you bring your children, you bring them all by name before the Lord. Now I'll admit, everything I've said today is only to a saved person. If you're not sure that if you die today that heaven's your home, I can tell you this on the authority of God's word, that without Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, every prayer that you make means nothing unless it's a prayer to call upon the Lord to save your soul, and you're definitely giving Him your heart and life. A lot of times a couple will get married on a Saturday, on a Friday, a Saturday. But on a Friday night, We'll have rehearsal. As we go through the rehearsal, we'll go through all the vows. I mean, we go through the vows, he repeats, she repeats. They do all of the vows. We get that done. We do all that practice. Then rehearsal's over, and they leave. Guess what? Even though they said every word, and they said it rightly, when they walk out of here, they're not married. But the next day, when they go through it, and they have before witnesses, and they're making this commitment, then it's real. It is real. And so, keep it real. If you're not sure you're saved, you might have said a prayer, and it might have been the right words, but you see, the heart is making commitment to Christ. He is Lord. He is God. He's saved. He's the one that shed his blood for your sin. And now you're entering into a relationship where he's the head, where he is in charge. Will you live a perfect life? No. I mean, I'm the pastor. You ask my wife, she'll tell you differently. No, it's not perfect. But I'll tell you what. Tell you what. When you give your life to Christ, He's put His Holy Spirit in there, and there is conviction, and you battle with temptation and conviction of God. It's bad when Christians give in to temptation, it really is. They don't lose their salvation. They may lose reward, but they don't lose your salvation. But that Christian. He may be a bad person. You say, I'm a whole lot better than they are. I think you mean in this world. But whether you mean that or not, without Jesus Christ, your destiny is eternity in hell. Not because I say so, but because the Bible tells us God told us that. Jesus died for your sin. Every sin you ever have or ever will commit. He died for it. But it is not applied to your account until you receive him as your Lord and Savior. And if you do not receive him as Lord and Savior, then one second after death, it is too late to get saved. Behold, now is the accepted time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. My friend, if you are not 100% sure if you died today, heaven's your home. Let me invite you today to come to him as your Lord and Savior. Let's bow our heads, please.